0: Hi, True Crime Army, and welcome to Mama Margot's sneak peek of Military Primetime. Military Primetime is a new exclusive segment only available to those in my top tier fan club. But before I make it available to the fan club, I want everyone to get a little taste. Military Primetime is a chance for me to tell you about current news, things that are in the headlines, that type of stuff. Things that I have been tracking in the news for weeks, months, or even sometimes just days. Sometimes there isn't a whole lot of information out there because the case is still developing, but you will hear it here, and I will keep everyone up to date when the case wraps up. In my military primetime segment, I'm going to highlight true crimes, military mishaps, travesties, things that affect the military community, and you'll hear them here. I don't intend to dig too deep into any of the things that I discuss during military primetime, although, you know, sometimes there is a lot of information out there that I will provide but maybe there just isn't enough that I can provide a full episode at that time. Sometimes though, I will cover cases in military Primetime that eventually down the line, once the case wraps up or an investigation is complete, I will be able to make a whole episode out of it to bring you everything from the beginning to the end. Also, as all or most of the cases that I discuss during military prime time are open investigations, I just want everyone to know that all suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. So now that you know what's going on, let's dig in. A Fort Hood soldier accused of running a prostitution ring appeared in military court today. The United States military reportedly investigating whether two Navy SEALs were involved in the death of an Army Green Beret in Mali. Learning new details about what could be one of the deadliest Marine training accidents in U.S. history. Everyone is tracking the craziness at Fort Hood. At least I know my listeners are. Well, it's not just mysterious disappearances and murder going on down there. Prostitution rings seem to be all the rage in Killeen, Texas, and Fort Hood soldiers are not immune to getting caught up in that mess. Earlier this year, there was a prostitution sting where six Fort Hood soldiers were busted for attempting to exchange money for sex. According to reporting by Celeste Hamard of Six News, the Temple Police Department and Bell County Sheriff's Department held a two-day sting operation on March 13th and 14th right before the world practically shut down due to COVID-19. The sting operation was put in place to catch sex trafficking, pimps, and prostitution rings. Well, the sting worked, and 14 people were busted, six of them soldiers. The sting operation was set up where these individuals agreed to meet to have sex in exchange for money or other goods, sometimes drugs, sometimes something else. When the people showed up for sex, boom, they were arrested. After the arrest, Sergeant Michael Bolton from the Temple PD Violent Crime Enforcement Squad made a formal statement. He said, quote, this operation hopefully sends a message that these acts will not be tolerated in our city and our county. Temple PD will continue to vigilantly fight against sex trafficking while protecting those who are victimized by this industry, end quote. During the sting, police discovered 11 likely victims of sex trafficking who were provided the necessary resources. But although we would hope that this sting operation or sting operations just like this that are very public and embarrassing would be a cautionary tale to those out there thinking about engaging in prostitution. I had been tracking the above prostitution ring that happened in March. But imagine my shock. I'm not sure why I'm shocked anymore. When in August of this year, the New York Post reported that there was another sex ring in Killeen, Texas, and this time it involved three Fort Hood soldiers. Well, Rose Thayer of Stars and Stripes reported that Killeen's Special Victims Unit partnered with the Texas Department of Public Safety Human Trafficking Program to, quote, locate and arrest subjects who were willing to make overt efforts to pay minors to engage in sexual acts, end quote. I mean, they were going to create this real life to catch a predator scenario where they snagged up any predator who went to meet potential underage girls for sex. Now, if you haven't seen that show to catch a predator, you should give it a try. To be honest, I can only watch like one, maybe one and a half episodes because it actually just gets too slimy and gross for me. These are grown men who think that they're going to be meeting with young women, young girls not young women, young girls, for sex, and then they're met by a detective. It's uh gross. Anyway, this sting operation that just occurred was set up online. Undercover agents, they would set up these fake profiles pretending to be young girls, and then they just sat and waited to see who took the bait. Well, the officers were on an unspecified social media network pretending to be females between the ages of 15 and 16 years old. Well, of course, three soldiers took the bait and showed up to an unspecified location to pay a young girl for sex. But when they walked in, instead of a young girl, they were greeted by police and taken into custody. Nine suspects were arrested and three of the nine were Army soldiers. They were 25-year-old specialist Anthony Xavier Antoine, a motor transport operator with the 4th Squadron 3rd Cavalry Regiment, 30-year-old Private First Class Timmy Jones, Jr., a combat engineer with the 87th Engineer Battalion, 36th Engineer Brigade. And those two soldiers were stationed at Fort Hood. And 32-year-old Staff Sergeant Pierre Jean, a combat medic, was assigned to the Army Medical Center of Excellence at Joint Base San Antonio, Fort Sam Houston. Antoine and Jones were charged with felony prostitution under the age of 18. And Jean was charged with a Class A misdemeanor for prostitution. And wait, these are just the two prostitution rings discovered this year. This happens every year. Let me take you back to 2014 when Sergeant First Class Gregory McQueen, who was stationed at Fort Hood, was assigned to the U.S. Army Sexual Harassment, Sexual Assault Response and Prevention Unit as a victim advocate. In the role of victim advocate, McQueen was tasked with providing victims of sexual harassment and sexual assault with a helping hand. He'd help them through any court martial or administrative process that they were going through. He would discuss reporting options, those types of things. Well, after being busted for running his very own prostitution ring on post, the Army brought charges against McQueen. In 2015, McQueen pled guilty and was ultimately sentenced to reduction to the lowest enlisted grade. Two years in jail, and he was given a dishonorable discharge. During his court martial, according to Army Times, McQueen told the judge that he recruited three cash strapped female soldiers by telling them that they would make loads of money by working with him. He organized swinger parties and stripper parties, and the females thought the extra money could be sufficient to make ends meet. The specific charges against McQueen were attempted pandering, conspiracy to solicit prostitution, failure to obey a lawful order, cruelty and maltreatment, adultery and assault consummated by battery. The Daily Beast has a pretty shocking rundown of how McQueen did what he did, but suffice it to say that McQueen was a wolf in sheep's clothing. He was a victim advocate, he held the rank of first sergeant, and he even played the saxophone in a gospel band. Shocking. Well, after McQueen, two years later, in 2017, 25 ABC reported that 20 men were arrested during a prostitution sting in Bell County. Eleven of the men were, you guessed it, Fort Hood soldiers. After their arrest, the Army made a statement addressing the issue. They said, quote, allegations such as these are taken seriously as they run counter to Army values. As always, we are supportive of local authorities and will continue to cooperate fully. Fort Hood will refrain from commenting further, given that this is an ongoing investigation. End quote. The ranks of the men involved span from private first class to major. I could go on and on and on about prostitution rings. But you know what? Let's move on. Right now, you are listening to my new exclusive segment of Military Murder called Military Primetime. Going forward, this segment will only be available to my fan club members in the top two tiers. You have all been clamoring for months now that you want more content. And that's why I created a Patreon account. It's a place where you can get more military murder stories while also supporting your favorite indie podcaster. For the price of a cup of coffee, you get one full bonus episode a month and access to the exclusive fan club Facebook page. Yep, and guess what? Once we hit 100 patrons, I am hosting the first virtual happy hour of many to come. Right now, I'm also offering quarterly mini episodes and military primetime episodes with an eye towards making that a monthly thing. I just want you to know there is a tier for everyone, and all of the tiers come with some snazzy names like the dotted line or boot camp and even retirement. Head on over to patreoncom military murder to see all of the perks of joining the fan club. Also, everyone's been asking about podcast challenge coins, and they are available in the top two tiers. So hurry. See you there. Hi everyone! For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire. Defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4am workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4am and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru, Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy. And it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus. Which, listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code Mama Margo at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your cart and use my code Mama Margo. that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T, for 15% off. Enjoy, and when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. Next, I'd like to talk about the Green Beret who was murdered in 2017 during an alleged hazing incident while deployed to Bamako, Mali. I hope I said that correctly. Okay, so, yes, this case is nuts and it's still not over, even though it's been three years. According to Kyle Remfer from the Army Times, a group of sailors, Marines and British special operators were deployed to Mali and Africa on June 4th, 2017. A group of highly trained military men, including SEAL Team 6 members Chief Petty Officer Adam Matthews and Petty Officer Tony DeDolphe, and Marine Raiders Staff Sergeant Kevin Maxwell Jr. and Gunnery Sergeant Mario Madera Rodriguez and an unnamed British special operator decided that they wanted to haze 34-year-old Staff Sergeant Logan Melger. Logan was a Green Beret assigned to the 3rd Special Forces Group, and he was deployed out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Logan and the SEALs were roommates and the Marines lived in a house a few blocks away. The Washington Post reported that leading up to the hazing discussions, Logan and the Navy SEALs in the house, they didn't get along very well. It seemed that they had disagreements about how they were handling their business and how they were conducting the mission. In fact, Logan had written home to his wife that he hated his roommates, but he didn't want to elaborate any and promised that he would tell her everything when he returned home. Well, Logan would never get a chance to tell his wife what was going on because on June 4th, things took a turn for the worst. According to Matthews, one of the Navy SEAL hazers, on this night, the group felt that Logan had snubbed them when he was on his way to a party at the French embassy. Logan allegedly saw the guys stuck in traffic but didn't stop to pick them up. They apparently thought Logan had a stick up his bottom and they wanted to embarrass him. So. After the group had been out throwing back some beers and whiskey at the Appaloosa bar and a nightclub called By Blows, they concocted a plan. Initially, it was a ha ha ha, we should haze the crap out of that douchebag. Ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah, if we did it, this is how we would do it. But as the drinks flowed, the plan turned from a ha ha, let's do this to yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. The plan was to break into Logan's room while he was sleeping. Grab him, duct tape him, and video the entire incident to embarrass Logan. Before going through with the plan, the men woke up their team lead to ask for permission to haze Logan. The team lead, a sergeant first class, likely didn't realize what they were asking. He said yes, and then he went back to bed. But the green light was all the men needed to go through with their plan. Well, at about 5 a.m., this group of heavily trained men broke down Logan's room using a sledgehammer. One of the men later stated that they didn't really need the sledgehammer to get into Logan's room, but they used it to scare slash surprise him. Anyway, once they gained entry, Navy SEAL Tony DeDolf, who, by the way, is a former professional mixed martial artist, he placed Logan in a blood choke to keep him from moving and flailing about. And the others quickly began to duct tape Logan's legs. According to Kate Andrews from The New York Times, Once Logan was placed in a blood choke, Logan passed out at least once. The British special operator who was there recorded the hazing incident on his phone. But in a real-life A Few Good Men scenario, Logan stopped moving and breathing, and the men quickly realized they screwed up. They stopped the assault and began CPR, followed by, get this, a field expedient tracheotomy to try to revive Logan. They then took him to a nearby hospital where Logan was pronounced dead. Yup. Now remember, these are all allegations at this point. Mostly. It appears that the men were not as forthcoming after Logan was pronounced dead. And they all attempted to minimize their role in the hazing incident, including getting rid of all of the alcohol found in the home because it's against General Order 1 to drink while deployed to certain locations. Additionally, they attempted to coach each other and coach potential witnesses. They initially reported that they were all just wrestling and playing around and that Logan was extremely drunk. But this story didn't add up, as according to the Daily Beast, Logan's autopsy revealed there were no drugs or alcohol in Logan's system. As I mentioned, the reports weren't adding up. Something seemed fishy and leadership knew they had to gain control of the situation before things got out of hand. So, an investigation ensued. Eventually, some things came to light, and the two Navy SEALs and two Marine Raiders were charged in connection with Logan's death. In May of 2019, Navy SEAL Adam Matthews pled guilty to conspiracy to commit assault, unlawful entry, hazing, obstruction of justice, and assault consummated by battery. As part of a plea agreement, his case was referred to a special court-martial, which is equivalent to a misdemeanor court because the maximum sentence allowed at a court-martial is one year of confinement and a bad conduct discharge. During the sentencing hearing, Matthews made a statement where he indicated that this entire thing was his fault, and he humbly accepted whatever punishment was given. Matthews was sentenced to one year in jail and a bad conduct discharge from the Navy. A month later, Marine Staff Sergeant Kevin Maxwell Jr., Pled guilty to negligent homicide, hazing, and making false official statements. However, in addition to the above facts discovered during Matthew's trial, part of the stipulation of facts in Maxwell's case made a shocking disclosure. According to Dan LaMoth from The Washington Post, Maxwell indicated that part of the men's hazing plan included sexually assaulting Logan while recording it. Dan LaMoth said The Washington Post obtained a copy of The Stipulation of Fact and verified the information about the sexual assault plan with two sources. However, I will highlight that the sexual assault scheme is disputed by others. Maxwell did not have the protection of a special court-martial. Instead, his case was heard at a general court-martial, which is a felony-level court, and he was sentenced to four years in confinement and a bad conduct discharge. Navy sailor Didolf, the one alleged to have placed Logan in a chokehold, and Gunnery Sergeant Madera Rodriguez were both charged with felony murder, involuntary manslaughter, obstruction of justice, hazing, and burglary. As of this recording, they are still awaiting their court-martial trials. However, Tony DeDolf pled not guilty in January of 2020. Although his motion to dismiss the felony murder charge was denied, the Washington Examiner reported that the military judge did order the Navy to hire a forensic pathologist, a DNA analyst, and a crime scene expert. This was a defense success because their request for those experts had been previously denied. In addition to pleading not guilty, Tony requested that his jury be made up of both officer and enlisted members. Tony's court-martial was scheduled to begin on March 23rd of 2020. But COVID-19 screwed it all up and the court-martial was postponed to July As of the recording of this episode, the court-martial did not take place in July, but I could be wrong. Mario Madera Rodriguez's court-martial was scheduled to start on April 20th, but was postponed until September 2020. Just to tell you a little bit more about Logan, the victim in this case, he was a Texan and he was a 2006 graduate of Texas Tech. In 2008, he married his wife, Michelle, and in 2012, he enlisted in the Army and he was recruited as an 18x which means he was a special forces recruit from the jump. In 2016, he graduated from the special forces qualification course. And prior to Mali, he had been deployed to Afghanistan twice. Logan is survived by his wife, his son from a previous relationship, and his 2 stepsons. Once the final two suspects are court-martialed, I do intend to bring you the conclusion of this case. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's Journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in the detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. This next story I'm about to tell you is not true crime related. It is a military mishap, but this case has been so heavy on all military members' hearts lately. I just really needed to talk about it because it just was really sad and a lot of people don't really know what happened. In July of this year, there was a very tragic training accident involving eight Marines and one sailor. This case absolutely rocked my world because it's just so tragic. According to KPBS, the nine military members in this story were all stationed out of Camp Pendleton. The training accident occurred while they were on a shore to ship training maneuver and they were aboard an amphibious troop transport vehicle. They were actually on their return trip from San Clemente Island when things took a turn for the worst. It was Thursday, June 30th, and they were about 80 miles off the coast of San Diego. At about 5.45 p.m., the group reported that they were taking water on the inside of the amphibious transport vehicle. Then, for unknown reasons, the vehicle went down and sank about 400 feet underwater. 15 Marines and one sailor were on board the vehicle when it sank. As reported by the San Diego Union Tribune, two other amphibious assault vehicles, also known as AAVs, were nearby when the one AAV sank, and they were on scene to help rescue the men. According to NBC 7 San Diego, seven Marines were immediately rescued. One additional Marine was rescued and died at the scene. Eight members aboard the vehicle were missing. It wasn't until Monday, August 3rd, the crews with the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit, one Marine Expeditionary Force, and the Macon Island Amphibious Ready Group located the sunken amphibious salt vehicle. On Tuesday, August 4th, it was reported that human remains had been detected near the sunken vehicle. The human remains were identified using remotely operated video surveillance aboard HOS Dominator, an undersea search and rescue ship. The Navy assisted in recovering the eight bodies. I would like to take a minute to acknowledge those nine members from Bravo Company who lost their lives during the training mission. There were eight Marines and one sailor. The eight Marines were all riflemen. The first Marine was Lance Corporal Guillermo Perez. He was 19 years old and he was from New Brothels, Texas. He had just surpassed his one-year military anniversary. Private First Class Brian Baltiera was 18 years old and he was from Corona, California. He died on the day of his one-year anniversary in the Marines. He joined the Marines when he was only 17 years old. Lance Corporal Marco Barranco was a 21-year-old from Montebello, California. According to his parents, he always wanted to be in the military. And for several Halloweens in a row when he was a child, he dressed up as a soldier. Private First Class Evan Bath was a 19-year-old from Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Earlier in the day before he died, he texted his mom that he loved her and he told her he was really enjoying his job. U.S. Navy hospitalman Christopher Nem was 22 years old and he was from Stockton, California. He went by Bobby and when he was in high school, he was the captain of the team and he was named Most Inspirational Player. Private First Class Jack Ryan of Strovsky was a 20-year-old from Bend, Oregon. He loved to go on hikes. And last year on Memorial Day, he independently did a rucksack hike in memory of the fallen veterans. His friend is trying to get a hiking trail named after him. Corporal Wesley Rod was 23 years old from Harris, Texas. He was the oldest in the bunch, and he had recently become a father. Lance Corporal Chase Sweetwood was 18 years old from Portland, Oregon. He died the day before his 19th birthday. He was the oldest of five kids. Corporal Cesar Villanueva was a 21-year-old from Riverside, California. He always wanted to be a Marine, and he had recently been married and hoped to start a family soon. So, of course, True Crime Army, as I was researching this case, the fact that half of the men on this mission died in what should have been a pretty simple training mission, got me thinking, what is an amphibious vehicle? And has this happened before? Thankfully, I didn't have to look far because NBC7 San Diego had the answers. An amphibious assault vehicle is used to transport troops and their equipment from Navy ships to land. They are nicknamed Amtraks because they were originally called amphibious tractors. The AAV is designed to be buoyant. It can carry up to 20 people and an additional 250 pounds worth of equipment. And they're pretty large beasts weighing in at close to 30 tons. They are equipped with machine guns and grenade launchers. When they're not in the water, they basically just look like shore tanks. The AAV in this incident had three watertight hatches and two large troop hatches. This particular AAV had been in operation since 1972 and was constantly refurbished. According to a New York Times article by Christine Hauser and Maria Fazio, AAVs are slow and they're considered by many Marines as particularly vulnerable because they are prone to leaking while at sea from both its rear ramp and its troop compartment. After the training incident that just happened where the nine military men died, The Marine Corps Commandant, General David Berger, suspended operations of 800 plus AAVs until an accident cause was determined. It was just a precautionary move. So as I was reading, I was like, what about prior incidents? Well, three years ago in 2017 at Camp Pendleton, 14 Marines and one sailor were driving an AAV on land when they pulled off the road in a herringbone formation. Unbeknownst to the driver, the AAV busted a gas line, severing the pipe with its tires. The exposed gas leak caught fire under the AAV and the AAV was engulfed in flames. Everyone escaped the AAV with their lives. However, six Marines were critically injured and six others were listed as seriously injured. One Marine who was critically injured was Tegan Schmidt. According to NBC7 San Diego, Schmidt underwent painful skin grafts, lost 30 pounds, and was on a ventilator to treat his scorched lungs. However, after some time, he recovered and was finally up and walking. And one more incident that I read about. In 2011, six Marines were inside an AAV when it sank during a training incident, kind of just like the one that just happened. But that incident happened in Oceanside Harbor. In that incident, one Marine died. All right, True Crime Army, I hope that you are digging this military primetime exclusive content and that you will join me in the fan club for much more. There are so many cases that I'm tracking right now. Literally, there are about 45 pages open in my browser on my cell phone. But you know, I just because I just don't want to miss out on telling you about these cases that are actively happening, and just stories that are out there. But today, I am going to leave you with these three. And I've been tracking these for the first one for a quite a bit of time. And then this most recent one when it happened just in July. All right. This episode was made possible by producers Z, Deb P, and Falcon 13. Thank you all so much for continuing to support the show, even though I took a little bit of a break. So that's why I say you absolutely rock. Thank you so much. As always, this show is created by Mama Margot Productions and the music was created by Tyops. As this episode of Military Primetime reveals, life is short. Evil is out there. Pranks can turn sour real quick. Paying for sex is always illegal. And tragic accidents happen. So tonight, hug your loved ones a little tighter and always be aware of your surroundings. Until next time, remember, you have a fabulous week, and I'll keep digging to bring you more Military Primetime in the fan club. <laughs> Shh, let's work another podcast.